0: Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish from maintenance to mission. This week, we pick up where we left off last week with our conversation with Sister Nuala Kenny. We've talked a bit about the, the symptoms and, and some of the things that the church has done to to address some of the um, some of the, the uh, safeguarding, I suppose. Uh, and, and we've talked about a bit of the, the sort of the, some of the core issues. Help me understand. How does, this, how, does the how does that dysfunction still manifest itself in the church and in parishes?
1: That, that's the question for now. That's the question of the day. That's why I'm still at this um, and still trying to promote getting people who are interested in church renewal to understand that you cannot renew the church without identifying the underlying uh, issues here. So I would say to you, that my gravest concern at the moment is ongoing silence. That silence is of most concern for me when it comes from the hierarchy and from priests. But it's also a grave concern when it's coming from the faithful in the pews. And you need to understand Part of the si- ongoing silence is what my friends in trauma medicine would describe as tragedy fatigue. Mm, yeah. I know over, over these years, and I've, I've spoken to the entire Conference of Catholic Bishops Okay, when, at, at, when my first book came out. Uh, we would go back again tomorrow. I'd be happy to talk to them again. Archbishop Gagnon knows that, the new president. Uh, the issue is so many of them uh, they're now retired, the ones who have, have experienced this for the past 20 years. They're burnt out. They're tired. They're hurt. They're demoralized. Same with priests. No. They just uh, lay people who say, just, Nula, what, you just shut up about this. It'll go away if you stop talking about this. And I, earlier I, I talked about early work. When we did the original 1992 Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops... I'm answering your question, From Pain to Hope. I asked that we produce a parish discussion document to complement From Pain to Hope in 1992. Breach of trust, breach of faith. Breach of trust, breach of faith. It was done by the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops, and it was done by their, their educational staff. All right? It's the discussion document. Mm. Beautiful little thing. A little gimmicky. I don't like gimmicks for discussion. Actually,
2: so, so sorry, I'm just remembering that the when, after Divine Renovation was first published, the folks at uh, 23rd Publications uh, produced a little discussion booklet. Um, and in the back end of it, I remember I reached out to you for some input for discussion questions around this matter that made it into that book, yeah. I I just remember that now as you were talking.
1: Sorry, I got too,
2: I hit my mind Because I think that's an important thing, isn't it? Wait, wait, wait,
1: but this this is the even more important thing, Father James. We produce this. It's the CCCB. This is not a wild, raving groups, (laughs) right, who are out to hurt the church. This is people who love the church, who want her to be disciples of Jesus Christ but wanting to break the silence, recognizing if you can't talk about it, you, you can't begin to heal. You can't mm. f- figure out what hurts, where it hurts, how it hurts, who it hurts. Mm. We produced this in our diocese. Uh, Archbishop James Hayes, a dear friend of mine, uh, we used it. We used it in a number of places in, in our diocese. There were a couple in Newfoundland. Newfoundland used it. A few places that I had already been involved in. But for the most part, across the, however many dioceses we have in this Country, it wasn't used. And whenever I inquired as to why it wasn't through the Archbishop, who was our chair, Roger Ebershare, who was the chair of this, this committee, know, committee they, people said, NULA talking about it only makes it worse, or uh, Sister NULA, um, we're not ready for talking about it. So we have a history of ongoing silence and denial, and until we get comfortable with recognizing we cannot repent and make amends until we confess.
2: Amen. You know, I was thinking that, that experience of fatigue. Um, I was twenty years old when this story first broke, and and it keeps breaking. And as a part of me, sometimes I've thought, "My God, like, please, just when is this gonna? When is this gonna be over?" And deep down in my heart, I, I have this awful feeling that we're we're not even halfway through what we have to go through and and it's it's been horrible and there's a part of you just you're so sick of it you just want to you know to to avoid it and i remember even in times when i was in the front lines of pastoral ministry you know you you work so hard to to kind of like you know gain a couple of yards on on the on, on the football Culture, field and yeah. something could go on the news and you just lost it 20 yards and after a while you you just feel helpless you feel angry um i wish we could just get on with the work of the gospel but we do have to deal with this, and so, so, sister, I'm wondering what would you say to parish leaders out there, and and you know, many of the the parishes in the U.S. Some of the parishes we work with have told us that they've been they've been hit really like their yes. their their finances have gone down because people feel helpless; they don't know any other way to demonstrate how mad they are about this. But even amazing pastors who are really trying to move the church forward, this is it, it's directly impacted them. What would you say to pastors and parish leaders who might want to say, okay, we, want, we might want to get a focus group together and, and invite parishioners to come and discuss this? What advice would you give them?
1: Well, th- th- that that kind of activity absolutely is necessary to break the silence, the ongoing silence. But, um, and I, I know you're aware of this, Father, because we talked a little bit about this, What we're called to, and this is very interesting, um, and again, in in any slide work I use, I have a a picture of uh, Holy Father, uh, St. John Paul II, who actually had a terrible time in dealing with the abuse crisis. Topic for another day, a terrible time. His growing up in Poland, his need to believe that the priests were pure, he couldn't deal with the issue, dealt very badly with this issue, God love him. But just before his death, and I had actually been at a at a conference in Rome and saw him with his tremor and everything uh, six months before his death. But just before his death, he said this: "The clergy sexual abuse crisis is a direct contradiction to the words and witness of Jesus Christ." Amen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I capture that to say that is what Doctor Kenny. Dr. Nula would call the primary diagnosis. Hmm. Every, everything else, is, the primary diagnosis is this is about a return to discipleship. It is a return to an understanding of the church, not as a building or not as its uh, functionaries with whatever their interesting perks of dress and address are, but as a community of disciples. So that's where, you know, our 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 agreement on the need for discipleship and a restoration of the sense of discipleship is, is is absolutely complete but this is the this is the danger i think right now particularly in north america there's a little bit of it elsewhere but particularly in north america what and most dramatically in the united states we have polarizing diagnoses mm of what this crisis is about i don't mean just differences we've always had differences about how to be a disciple right mm-hmm. circumcised not circumcised wash your hands don't wash your hands <laughs> keep kosher don't keep kosher
2: new york accent <laughs> coming up. i did it purposely
1: i'm doing kosher, I'm doing kosher. <laughs> we've always had differences but the essential who are we we are disciples called to proclaim and witness to the continuing healing and reconciling love of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit in our time. That diagnosis is where we've got to go. So, so the, the problem is, as soon as you have polarizing interpretations of what that means, and I'll, just, I'll do this really fast, but this is, when I go to sleep with anguish, mm. it's about the ongoing silence and people who are too hurt to, to be able to say the first thing that you have to do. Is be able to talk about it. You have to be able to share and share the pain, and be listened to respectfully. But the second thing is, we've got a whole bunch of folks. You, when I saw you at our assembly, you use different language. But we're, we're in, you have a whole bunch of people who are, are what I call nostalgic restorationists.
2: That's a good way to put it. I like that. <laughs>
1: and and but they are. If only we would go back to a time when everybody did what they were told, everybody obeyed the rules and regulations. With no sense of what about conscience, what about virtue? you, you don't, The rules are not worth the paper that they're written on if you don't have a conversion of mind and heart. That's right. If you don't have formation of conscience. So we have a bunch of folks who are a nostalgic restorationists, and then on the other hand, you have got a whole bunch of folks who legitimately recognize we have a number of aspects of our theology, moral theology, sexual theology, uh, relationship with science. They're serious questions for us. But a whole bunch who, in their a desire to kind of be respectable in the modern world, abrogate the fundamental truths rather than recognize there's a way that some of those have to be restored, renewed, but that they're essential beliefs about faith and life and the importance of life and protection, et cetera. So part of our problem is silence, and then part is very, very different perspectives. I mean, this is, this is so serious. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you know, uh, it, it, it even has poor Pope Emeritus, which is not the proper title. He's the, he's the Emeritus Archbishop of Rome, He's former Pope Benedict. God love him. Who's brilliant. Somehow or other, he has been manipulated now twice into getting into the fray of this is all about a, 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 a need to return to a different kind of theology. Um, two popes with different perspectives, because Francis is is where about becoming disciples, missionary disciples.
2: And that, that term, you know, go back to Paracita in and seven, I believe, was was convened by Pope Benedict, and he himself gave the opening dress called, uh, introducing the title of the document, called to be missionary disciples for the sake exactly, of God, God's exactly, people. So, exactly. And actually, that, that title actually goes back to Pope Benedict himself. I, I, I think, the, yeah, there's a lot in terms of the, the this whole crisis really has been, Really, a perfect storm by so many, um, uh, so many contributing factors, and I think, like anything, uh, to be suspicious of these, of like identifying one factor as the single cause or one of the factors saying it's got nothing to do with it. I think it's a it's it's all in there is is a bit is a bit of a mix. Sister, I'm wondering, in terms of like, for instance, if we say that at least in, in the Western Church we've done a fairly good job of dealing with the symptoms, you know, like, because like to say, I can't, you know, um, I can't go through a McDonald's and someone else's diocese without doing a police check. Uh, Like we, we've got all these checks in place and all (laughs) of that. But if the, if the underlying dynamics, the, you know, the power thing, the the temptation to, to secrecy and, and all of that are still unhealed as you, as you would say, how might those dynamics manifest in in the church at the diocesan level, even at the parish level? Let's talk about the parish. I mean, that, that's mm-hmm. what we do. Um, lack of accountability, yeah. secrecy. You know, the temptation to to just keep the 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 appearance. They used to say in Rome, the the bella figura is the is the thing. It's the what it looks like, kind of a Roman thing. Like like it's the it's the outward appearance. Right. Even inside, it might not be so great. At all costs, keep the, keep the outward appearance going. Make it till you going. make it. Make it till you make it, yeah.
1: <laughs> but in addition to that, because those, those are the questions, right? Those are the questions. So my, okay, my, my general kind of response is part of our challenge, I think, is in this time where many are recognizing enough is enough, that we have to begin to do things differently. Um and get people back to the discipleship that, that is important. But boy, does this really mean that our theology, our, our theology of the gifts, our theology of the sacraments, our theology of the church, our theology of sin, morality, conscience these things need now not to be riven, separated by these. We need, we need a way of reflecting on those, because acknowledgment of the sin, First, making amends is necessary before we can be forgiven. So I've done a whole bunch of things in organizational management studies. You you, You use organizational management stuff too, right? But in moral failure, hierarchical organizations, particularly hierarchical organizations with an extraordinary difference in training experience between the leaders and the members, promote moral disengagement. What do you mean by that? If you've got a hierarchy, you're used to, the priest tells you what to do or not do. In fact, I pulled out a quote. Just in case you might ask me that, Father. <laughs> just in case. I would like you to read. I have it right here. <clears throat> you ready? This is... Um, From Pope Pius X, 1906.
0: (laughs) Right at your fingertips.
1: (laughs) (laughs) From the encyclical Vehementor, no, Vehementor. You got a sense of what this is about?
2: I was reading that last week, actually.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The church is essentially an unequal society, comprising two categories the pastors and the flock, those who occupy a rank in different degrees of the hierarchy and the multitude of the faithful. With the pastoral body only rests the right and authority for promoting the end of the society and directing all its members toward that end. The one duty of the multitude is to allow themselves to be led and, like a docile flock, to follow the pastors.
2: Dear God. <laughs> now,
1: dear God. <laughs> no, no. Look, look, let's root ourselves in the difference between the early church and disciples and a church that became imperial, hierarchical. So
2: the, the, the and, question and so the question is not... The you know the fact that we don't have leaders that and, and it always comes down to this when when we talk it's not that leadership isn't isn't to be exercised and that the pastors aren't legitimate leaders it's how how is how, is leadership done in the style of 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 the Lord Jesus or is That's it done correct. in the way that he said it should never be done the children of this world lord it over them Absolutely. the great ones uh, you know and it's not it it says it, in Matthew's gospel it must not. Be so no, it will not be so among you. In Mark's version, it's it must not be so among you. So,
1: so, but, but, but I, I, but I was using that quote to answer directly what I meant by moral engagement. Did you get it?
2: I guess i don't know. <laughs> he was I mean,
0: too busy getting. I was angry. too busy getting, <laughs> getting upset
2: about the. But no, no. But uh, we teach. You can't morally engage. So so I can't even talk to you. There's, it, there's, church there's church no dialogue. You, you can't have a dialogue. No, no. There's no, 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 no mutual no. accountability. Good man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm back in school. <laughs> we are. Okay. <laughs> but isn't this what we talk about in our coaching and the, our work with parish leaders? About and the very fact that we'll, we won't even invest in people in terms of coaching unless you're humble enough to work out of a team. Because if you think you're all that in a bag of chips, good luck you're to you. Big, Can, exactly. Continue to kill the church. We're not going to go down with you. And so
1: a little quote you might use, Ron, since he's, busy, he's busy processing. <laughs> Lumen Gentium, number 32. For the distinctions, there are legitimate distinctions related to the get variety of gifts, First mm. Corinthians. For the distinction which the Lord made between sacred ministers and the rest of the people of God bears within it a certain union since pastors... And the other faithful are bound to each other mm. by a mutual need.
2: Yes. Beautiful. Mm. You got it? Beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Probably not as deeply as I should, but that was profound the way you read it. What's the whole thing? you know the, <laughs> that, that, that famous quote that from, from, from from Saint Augustine, <laughs> yeah. who says, For you I'm a bishop, exactly. but with yes. you yes. I'm a Christian. You got it, you got it, and you got I think it, you got that, it. that is such a critical thing and and it's such an important dimension that and I've often seen that that um that there are some priests, some priests who can only be a priest for the people and not a Christian with See their people. The I, I had a man come up to me the other day. I was uh, in a, down in the U.S. speaking in a certain diocese, and the guy's point was right on, and his point was about things would be much better and healthier if priests lived in community or priesthood community, but his point was with other priests, and I said, look, I don't disagree with you that disagree with that. The issue I have is the starting point that the only group that priests can be real with are other priests. I think that's part of our dysfunction. And it adds to this this idea of uh, I can only let down the guard. I can only get real when I'm with my brother priests. And 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 as soon as I'm are there, any lay people around? Put the mask back on. You can't be real with lay people. And I I think that's a, a stark distinction between what was written by who was it? wrote Pius the first tenth. one? P- Pius X. God bless P- Pius the tenth. I mean, he did a lot of great stuff. Uh, obviously, um, uh, Pius the tenth in 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 Lumen um, I'm wondering um, one question that, that that I have in mind is, and maybe for those listening, has to do with the fatigue thing. Or what happens when, I mean, we've all had the the moment, like the John 6 moment. Lord, to whom else shall we go? You have the words of everlasting life. Like, I'm like, I remember when the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report came out. I was like, I'm done. I'm out of here. Like, Sorry, I I always said a bad word. Like, like, I I don't want to be part of this organization. I'm so sick and tired and I'm sickened. And I've had it up to here and... And I'm, le- and then I'm thinking, well, where else am I going to go? <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I, I, because I believe that the church is the the church that Jesus founded. I believe that the the, the fullness of what what has been given is there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love what we can find from other places, but it's like, where would I go? Mm-hmm. In spite of the pain in my mm-hmm. heart, but how do you? What would you say to people who are at the, maybe at that breaking point who are like, I'm just so sick of this, and like if it. If what who are asking that question, I think there's a great quote from Pope Benedict about what was wrong with our way of being church. That yes, I, I, I have that happened. in the series. Yeah, this is a well. great, yeah, that, you should share that one. But, but that that's the what would you say to folks who are struggling in this way?
1: Two, two, th- two things I would say when in Amoris Letizia, Pope Francis, my 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 real BFF, I, 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 I do love this pope, pray for him every day. When he says, you, 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 all three of you know this well, we need a missionary impulse mm-hmm. capable of transforming everything. That's
2: from Evangelii Gaudium. Mm. Paragraph 28.
1: But it's repeated in... Uh,
2: oh, okay. I, oh, I thought no, I was going to catch I'm her out. sure.
1: I'll, <laughs> wait a minute. No, I'll, I'll double check. Someone
0: that. take a note. I'm I'm double che- I'll double so there, check. I'll double check. are times and schedules I or ways of doing
2: involved. things or... Yeah, it's so, Evangelical. So that
1: transforming everything, churches, customs, ways of, ways of doing, doing things, things times, times schedules, schedules, and schedules, vocabulary, structures, yep. and I add relationships. Mm. It's a, our relationships Amen. are all fouled up.
2: Can be suitably, can be suitably challenged, challenged for the evangelization, evangelization rather of than terms, self-preservation. Of Okay, all right.
1: So <laughs> and he, he, he may be right, but I think it's repeated there. I yes. that's yeah, where yeah. I... Uh, yeah. But okay. That we have to be willing to understand, and there are people who they found a comfort in everything looked the same well, Every all the, trappings, they, yeah. the, the, the 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 trappings the beauty i mean the, for I mean the, the renovation of the sacraments and you say some beautiful stuff in uh, divine renovation about the sacraments and the sacraments is the doorway um, i mean uh, we we need and look at look at the look at the the, the polarizing differences about the way of celebrating the sacrament Mike, what where are we what what, the, what is the this that Jesus said do when he said do this and memory of me? But, so I think we, we really have to understand we got comfortable with when we put on the outside or we went to church where we're being good Catholics. Hmm. I, honest, I'm 75. Um, I'm a religious, been my whole life. I can tell you that I know so many good people been to church their whole lives, have never had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. That's right. Never, never, never. The, when I say that to them, they...
2: they don't know what you're talking they about. They
1: don't know what I'm talking about. And thank God I'm a pretty more direct, Endemic. down-to-earth person, so they don't think I'm a nut. They have never had an experience uh, of Jesus Christ. And this is sad. Mm. And it, it partly relates, I think, to the fact that in our tradition, it's only with Vatican II, James, you remember this, that we were allowed to even look at Scripture. We, 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 we never went directly to, to Scripture. So there's a whole bunch of those issues that we can reclaim. We can find Amen. new ways of praying, new ways of celebrating. I, I, that, but, but we have to be careful about the theology underneath it. But, uh, but I, I just want to tell you that Bishop Coleridge, Archbishop Coleridge. Yeah, he's a good, a good, good, good friend of
2: Divine Renovation.
1: From, from Brisbane, Love that guy. So, um, you know, we're at at, at a meeting, but he gave the closing homily at the 2018 summit. The Holy Father did. The Holy Father Francis gave the closing talk, and then Archbishop Coleridge, if you know, he he gave the closing Mm. homily. All right, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. He's he in my in my 2012 book. I quote. Archbishop, Col- in 2012, he wasn't the archbishop then, uh-huh. he was a bishop somewhere, because he's one of the f- few bishops in the world who was saying there are systemic and cultural... Li- I quote him in 2012, mm-hmm. okay. But he was, did the closing homily, and what he said at the, is kind of where, I, where I'd leave this at the moment. He said, the church right now is at a Calvary moment. Mm-hmm. Now, he's also saying, you know, don't stand there looking up, because he does, later he does the... Ascension, because we're, we, we now go, you go do it. But, but he says we're at a Calvary moment. And I, I think this is absolutely right. So from Romans, you all know this one. You have been taught that when we were baptized in Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death. In other words, we were back, when we were baptized, we went into the tomb with him, and joined him in death, so that, as Christ was raised from the dead by the Father's glory, mm-hmm. we too might live a new life. If, in union with Christ, we have imitated his death, we shall also imitate him in his resurrection. We Jesus, on that cross, saw failure. Mm-hmm. Rejection, even by his best buds, right? <laughs> uh, only John, the beloved, and the women, <clears throat> and, and, and the women are there. He must have, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabatani. my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the son. Come, come, Because he must have felt whatever the father asked of me to do in revealing his totally unlimited, continuing through the power of the Holy Spirit, love in the world. I failed. I failed. They, they, they didn't get it. They didn't get it. But he trusts. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Mm. And what, when he dies, everything that is painful and sorrowful and hurtful and wrong and rejecting dies with him. And we, we wouldn't be here if there wasn't the power of the Holy Spirit in the resurrection, right? I think that we got so comfortable with... I mean, I grew up in the 50s in New York, the child of Irish Catholic immigrants. I mean, the faith was... It was everything. It, all family events, baptism, confirmations, weddings. I mean, it was a big deal. Everything was a big deal. The church was a big... It was the center of our lives. We did the family rosary in October. And it was important. I entered the religious community in 1962. The the, the next year, in the United States, we elect a Catholic president. Do you know what that was like? It was like, whoa.
2: (laughs) Whoa. Because
1: my dad told stories of Irish need not apply. Uh, Catholic immigrants, Mm -hmm. Polish, Italian, Irish, being rejected and outcasts because they were the poor and the marginalized. We made it. Man, did we make it. <laughs> Catholic churches everywhere, schools everywhere, hospitals everywhere. But they were all like, ex- so some of those were supposed to be sacraments and signs of, oh. mm. but we got too dependent. You said it earlier, James. In our individuals, people put on the garb. Yeah. And in putting on the garb, rather than becoming the disciple.
2: Putting on Christ.
1: <laughs> rather than putting on the mind of Christ, because the mind of Christ is my, I pray mind of Christ all the time. Hmm.
0: Wow. Sister Nula, I, I can't believe how fast our time has gone. I wanted to give you a, an opportunity here. We've got leaders all over the world who listen parish priests, pastors, uh, leaders in, in, in all sorts of uh, walks of life within the Catholic Church and in other Christian traditions. I just wanted to give you a, a, an opportunity to, if there's any closing thoughts or comments you wanted to share with, with those folks, yeah. I wanted to give you space to do so.
1: Okay, so I'm saying, talking about resurrection. I'm in, in this past, uh, Father James knows this, but. Um, Uh, I delivered, still unhealed, final edits uh, on July 8th of 2019. On July 9th, after 10 years breast cancer free, I had a recurrence of breast cancer and went in for major surgery. Um, Six, seven weeks later, got a respiratory infection when I was immunocompromised was in the intensive care unit for eight days, and I thought I was dying, couldn't get my blood oxygen up. During that time, since I've written a book on the art of dying, I thought, okay, I'm going to walk <laughs> the talk now, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm mentioning this personal experience because I need you to know that in that time, I gave myself up to the Lord the third night in hospital. They just they couldn't they could not get my blood oxygen. I couldn't breathe with the highest oxygen level they could give me in the hospital. I gave myself up to the Lord. But then I discovered I didn't didn't die.
0: (laughs) He didn't want
1: me me to die. But what I learned is exactly what I think Jesus learned. I said when I put my hands in the air, if I'm going to die tonight, Father, I'm sorry for what I've done that I shouldn't have done. I'm sorry... or what I didn't do that I should have. But I just have to give this to you. I just have to give it to you. I can't, I can't do anything. Super overachieving, you know, seven honorary degrees, president of this, president of that, always taking care of other people. I could do nothing except trust in the Father and mm-hmm. the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So what I know, and I have the slide about Lord, we're perishing. Mm-hmm. What does he say? Mm-hmm. I'm here. I'm here. What are you afraid of? So just this morning, for those of you who may, may, not, or, may or may not have been to Mass, it's that fantastic gospel, right? <laughs> of the, 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 the friends have a dying friend, and they, they cut the roof of the house off so because they, they, there's so many people coming to Jesus. Imagine that kind of enthusiasm. Amen. That's it's not renovation, it's re- re- destroy the old roof, <laughs>
0: yes. it's, it's, an, it's an obstacle to get I, people to belie- the feet of Jesus, yes, I, I, to get people purpose. to Jesus, yep. amen. Amen, amen. Well, thank you so much, Sister Nula, for being with us. It's been such a pleasure to to be able to learn from you, to hear your stories, and to, and to just to, to feel some of the emotions, uh, that, that you know that you've experienced the way you project them and the way I felt like I was on a bit of an emotional roller coaster a few times try, with you. Try
1: to be inside this body.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, God bless you and, and your work and I'm just you. so grateful for all that you've done and I thank, thank everyone who's been with us uh, online on on our podcast and uh, we are just so grateful that you're with us and we look forward to being with you again next week. God bless. Thank you for joining us for the second half of this important conversation with Sister Nuala Kenny. If you'd like to go a little deeper, join her at DR20 where she'll be presenting a session on the challenges for renewal and transformation. DR20 brings together parishes and pastors from across the world. This year, every attendee will receive a free year's membership to the Divine Renovation Network, our library of video resources for coaching, leadership, and parish renewal. For more details, go to divinerenovation.org d R20.